Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. Of the stretch. Now let me tell you where this came from. It seems odd, but it, this is just the way it happens. Um, someone that I have um, that's on Facebook with me, a, a friend, uh, is a very reputable person, and he sent me an email, not an email, since he posted something on Facebook about this uh, woman that they were praying for her. And she had a, it was her right arm, and, and she didn't have any arm. She went from like, it was kind of crumpled up. She had a shoulder, but there was nothing basically but skin between that and her elbow. And so, you, you know, I knew that they were somewhere probably in central or Western Africa because they had their bottle of water and they were shouting and jumping and they were sprinkling with water. They do that over there. But anyway, I won't get into that. And so at first I thought, mm, I don't know. And then I watched it. It got me excited. And uh, this woman started, uh, started stretching her arm and it, got, it, it literally got longer and longer. And it looked like it was growing back, and then the last time she was moving her hands and, her, and the deformity of her hand was reformed. And so I was real excited about that. And uh, so anyway, it, what it did, it clicked something in me. Because what I saw, I saw someone who was exhibiting the power of the stretch. Now, having said that, later on in uh, the next morning, I think it was, uh, I got a, a message from someone else that I'm, a, a cut, that I'm connected with who uh, showed, gave me a video, and this woman was, uh, let's say she wasn't being truthful. She had been into several churches and exhibited, quote, this same miracle. So I, I immediately dis, you know, I disregarded that, but it didn't really make any difference because I found out that I felt like that the video was bogus. Now, that doesn't mean that God's bogus. God still does miracles. But what caught my attention is how she was able, and I, don't, and I think it was demonic. Uh, we've seen this in churches before where there'll be false manifestations. And so what, this was a demonic thing that actually caused that to happen. And I can't explain uh, if physically how that happened, but all I know was that it was bogus. So I got to thinking about being stretched. And I want to read a couple of scriptures to you because the Bible talks about this. You know, the Bible addresses everything. In our lives. So, in, and I'm going to read this from the One New Man Bible just because I like it, but they'll probably show it to you on uh, New American Standard. But from Luke chapter 5, begin at verse 12 and 13, it says, And it happened, he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, and there was a man full of leprosy. And after he saw Yeshua falling on his face, he begged of him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cleanse me. And stretching out his hand, he touched him and said, I am willing. You must immediately be cleansed. And the leprosy left him at once. Now, I just want to say the reason Jesus did this is because leprosy was considered unclean. And biblically, what Jesus was declaring was his de deity from the Old Testament, because that's all they had. He was, because it's very clear in the Old Testament, it says if something that is holy touches something that's unholy, it makes the unholy holy. 
okay? And so he was literally exhibiting this. That was the purpose because you couldn't touch a leper because you would, uh, first of all, you may get it, and second of all, it, it, uh, it disqualified you from going into the temple or being able to worship God because it was considered dirty, okay? But Jesus said, no, I am, I am the I am. And so he touched him and made the man whole. But the real scripture that clicked in my spirit was comes from Matthew chapter 12. So I want you to turn there very briefly to Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. Again, one new man Bible. And it says, and they, Then going from there, he came into their synagogue. And there was a man who had a withered hand. Then they asked him, saying, Is it permitted to heal on the Sabbath? So that they could accuse him. And he said to them, what man among you who will you have who, excuse me, you among you who will have one sheep and if that would fall into the pit on the Sabbath would not take hold of it himself and will pull it out. But now, excuse me, but how much more is a man worth than a sheep? Thus it is permitted to do good on the Sabbath. Now here's, here it comes. Then he said to the man, you must immediately stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored sound as the other. He stretched it out. Now, as I thought about this, I, when I, you know, I'm an avid walker. And I, I walk five times a week. The first thing I do before I go out to walk or if I'm lifting is I do stretching exercises. Get the Achilles tendon all stretched out and the, the biceps and the triceps and the arms. You know, you, don't you do that? You, you stretch out before you be, begin to do your daily routine. Now, that also threw me back to my days of football when we used to have th three days at, in college. Man, I mean, I, I would wake up in the morning on three days. They had them three, days, three times a day for like two weeks. And, I, you know, and when you're trying to get in shape, they just wear you out physically. And I'd get up in the morning, I'd be so sore and cranky. Oh, I can't move. And then, then they would make us go out on the field, and we would spend about 30 minutes. Guess what? stretching, getting those old muscles back to where they could move around. But I want you to know this. It was extremely painful when you're trying to get in shape and your muscles are already sore. When you start stretching them, I mean, it's like all the knots are coming out at the same time. It's, it can be excruciating, but it's necessary so that you don't re-injure yourself as you're practicing. So it is painful but necessary. So when I talk about the power of the stretch, it's painful, but it's necessary. Tell somebody, it may be painful, but it is necessary that we understand the power of the stretch. So here we just finished this whole week of the fire chasers. We've been in here praying. It was been an awesome time. But it's time now for each one of us to experience the stretch. You see, without the stretching, you can't be a fire chaser. 
No athlete just goes out on the field and, and exhibits their talents without first stretching and getting prepared for the event. And so we've been in prayer for a whole week, and we want to be fire chasers, but I want you to know that if we're going to be real fire chasers, we're going to have to learn the power of the stretch. Now let me give you a couple of biblical examples of the power of stretch. Remember David, David and Goliath? Goliath was the monster man, nine feet tall. He had all this weaponry. What does David do? He finds the power of the stretch, and he comes out with what? Five smooth stones and a sling. And we know the rest of the story. Remember Noah? God asked Noah, he said, I want you to build me a boat. He said, what's a boat? And God says, well, I want you to build me a boat because it's going to rain. And Noah says, what's rain? See, he hadn't experienced any of this, but it says in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark. He, had, he understood the power of the stretch. It took him, I think it was, what, 125 years to build the ark? Boy, you think you're, you've been on your job a long time. <laughs> think about 125 years at the same post building outside arms for a, in a furniture factory or, uh, or, you know, or springing up or something like that. You wouldn't know what I'm talking about if you hadn't been furniture. Anyway, think about this. Remember Gideon? Gideon said, God told Gideon, he said, I want you to fight this army. Now they were outnumbered 450 to 1. So here we have Gideon and his 300 crack pots. He had 300 men, they had 300 pots, and they had a lamp in each one of those pots, and at the sound of, of the horn, they all broke their pots, and the lights came, came, became visible, and God destroyed Gideon's enemies. What about Abraham? What would you do if God came up to you and says, and I'll take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering? I would call that the power of the stretch. There's so many more. Remember Elijah? Remember the, the Baal worshipers, the priests? It was a 450, I think it was. What did, what did Elijah do? Elijah built an altar. Not only did he build an altar, he put wood on it. And after, he, after he did that, he poured water all over it and built a trench around it with water. And then he called on God and said, God, you've got to light a fire in this place. Now, I would call that the power of the stretch. But what happened? God came through because Elijah followed through with what God was telling him. So my point is, is that, that if we are going to be fire chasers, we've got to learn how to work in the power of the stretch. God is going to ask us to do things that take us out of our comfort zone. See, now, as I thought about this, I thought, why do people hesitate about being Fire chasers. How do people hesitate about, or why don't they stretch their faith out? Well, I thought, I, listen, I had a list. It was about a mile long, so I took a few minutes and I narrowed it down. This is a couple things I thought about. The first thing I thought about why people won't, take, won't stretch themselves out is, number one, they're afraid they'll fail. They have this failure mentality because of their prior experiences. But my friends, you cannot live on your past. 
You've got to learn that when God speaks to you and asks you to do something or say something, you've got to endure the power of the stretch and endure the pain and do whatever God asks you to do regardless of how many times you've failed before. So many people have tried and they failed. Well, try again. And again. And again. And again. Another reason we don't want to get involved with the stretch is we don't want to be embarrassed if it doesn't work. See, we have that in the back of our mind. Well, what if it doesn't work? Then everybody's going to think I'm like kooky and crazy. See, some of you have visions and dreams right now. You know God is speaking to you. But you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you're thinking back there is saying failure. And you're thinking, well, if I fail, then I'm going to be an embarrassment to me, the church, and to God. Oh, really? When has God ever been embarrassed? But, you know, the fact of the matter is, most people don't want to stretch because they're too comfortable, and they really don't want to change. But if you're going to endure the stretch, you're going to have to say, it will change. Now, there's, a, some, there's another group of folks, and, and I am not one of these, thank you, Jesus, I've been delivered, but they have what I call the spirit of procrastination. They, they talk a good game, but they procrastinate, and, well, I'm going to do it tomorrow, or when things get better, when, when, I, when, when everything is perfect, I'll do it. But truthfully, there's some of us, how many of you, how many of you don't like pain? None of us like pain. I believe a lot of people won't step out in faith because they don't want the pain of the stretch. I remember uh, I've had one injury. I've been walking for like, wow, 35, 40 years, close to it. And I've had one slight injury. I stepped off in a little hole somewhere and uh, hyperextended the back of my knee. And uh, so it it got all, you know, got all swollen up and everything, and it was painful. So I took the doctor, and, and, and the one thing I learned from the doctors is doctors don't know it all. And the first thing he did is get, he, I've, had one, I've had one and one only cortisone shot. It will not happen again. I promise you. It was worse than that little step off in the hole. Nancy, you know, you know how they prepared did it? I had no idea what they were going to do. He said, I'm going to give you a shot. A cortisone, I thought, oh, all right, if you got to do it. So, you know, they do all this stuff over there, and he slips into the room, and he's got a needle. To me, it looked like it's about this long. And he kind of hides up there, and he takes it, and he, and he jabs me with it. I mean, whoo, I mean, all the way down. I'm going, whoa, I just got a hallelujah go- chorus going. Hallelujah. <laughs> Never again. But see, what my point is, is we don't like pain. We want to avoid it. And that's the reason most people won't step out in faith and do what God is asking them to do because they don't want to experience the pain. Some people want to do this. They're waiting for a sign. Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Have someone have a prophetic word from the front that tells me exactly what I need to do. No, God's already told you. Why do you need another voice to tell, tell you that again? <laughs> oh, and there, there's a there, there's there, other reason people don't go for the stretches. Some people live in perfection unless it's perfect. They're not going to do a thing. 
They're going to wait for the exact right moment when everything is lining. God has lined everything up, and I'll do it. Let me tell you, God is not going to give you steps. He'll give you a start, not a step. Oh, that's revelation there. God is not going to give you all the details. He's going to give you a starting point. And then you step out in faith then. And lastly, I thought about the people like this, and there's, there are people in here probably like this. You know that if you obey God, he's going to do it in a way that you don't want to do it. Because we're always wanting our way, right? You know, I thought about, I thought about um, um, Elisha and, and that fellow named Na- Nahum. Nahum was uh, like, he was like a Gentile, and he had, uh, he had uh, leprosy. And so he found out Elijah about Elijah. So he went, he went to Elijah, and Elijah wouldn't even talk to him. He just said, go tell the fellow to dip in the River Jordan seven times. Boy, Naaman got hot. He stomped out of there. And then, bless her heart, one of the little servant girls came up to him and said, now if he asked you to do something important, you would have done it. But he asked you to go dip in the Jordan. He said, we got plenty of rivers over where we live. Why can't I use one of those? He said, that's not what he told you. See, he didn't do it the way God, he thought God wanted to do it. So he finally obeyed, and you know what happened? He dipped in the River Jordan seven times, and what happened? He got healed. See, that, that's the story of stepping out and enduring the stretch and, and watching God empower you to do things that are supernatural, that are productive for the kingdom of God. See, I choose. I choose to be a fire chaser. Anybody else in here that way? I want to be a fire chaser. So it's time for us, us, you and me, all of us together and individually, it's time for us to experience the stretch. I'm trying to build your faith here. If we're going to be fire chasers, we've got to be willing to endure the stretch. Just like that one, I wish I would have shown you that if that had been a real woman, not a real woman, if that had been a real true story, I would have shown the video. It was very impressive to watch it. It it sure enough fooled me. But my point is, is that you've got to stretch. We've got to step, church, we've got to step outside of ourselves, outside of our comfort zones that we that that make us feel good. I'm telling you, sometimes feelings can really mess up your walk with the Lord. There are times when you simply have to stand in faith and bow up and get a backbone and say, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. So if we want to go to the supernatural, if we want to go to the extraordinary in the things of the kingdom, we've got to learn how to stretch our faith out. Now let me give you a couple of fire starters. Let me give you a couple of fire starters to get you on a path where you can do these things. I would suggest, first of all, that you ought to fast. Fast. Number two, oh, somebody's, see, I went, I went from being a really nice person, now I've got to meddling with you. And you don't have to wait for the church to fast. Now, next month, we're, that's one of the things we did this past week is we took a day and we fasted. I noticed it didn't kill anybody. 
I didn't, I didn't see your backbone through your stomach after one day. No, I think everybody's pretty normal in here. Well, sort of. Normal in here. So number one is fast. Number two, add consecrated prayer time. I said consecrated prayer time. Now, some of you travel to work, and, you, and you've told me, and it's absolutely fine. On your way to your long trip job, wherever that might be, you spend time and you pray along the way. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And that would be, in fact, that's kind of what I do, it. but instead of being in a car, I use my feet when I walk. That's my base prayer time. I said consecrated prayer time. In other words, take some more time away from your routine and set some time aside just for specific prayer, and that is one way to ignite fire in your life. Number three, another way to get a fire start in your life. Hunt down a need and meet it. Hunt down a need and meet it. Not yours, someone else's. Another suggestion, change your schedule. We were just talking about that before service. We are so inhibited by our habits of routine. Everything is the same routine. We've got, we, you know, you get up at a certain time and you get ready and you brush your teeth and you go to work and you, and you got to watch this and you got to do this and you got to take kids. You got this routine. Change it. Change your schedule. The third thing, some of you may not catch this, but I think it's important. When God is asking you to do something, educate yourself. You mean, what, how do I educate myself? What if God has this great ministry that needs financial support? You need to educate yourself on how to get grants. What if you need to continue your education? You need to find out where to go get sponsorship or scholarships so that you can get through it debt-free. You educate yourself. Let's say uh, God is get, wants you to manufacture something. Well, you go to that industry and you educate yourself about that industry, whatever it might be, and you learn how to do things properly. Now, these are just suggestions. The last thing I would suggest to you is, by all means, don't wait. Procrastination is a killer when you're stepping out in faith with God. When you want to go for the stretch, you've got to just pull the trigger. Pull it. Quit planning and pull. There's a time to plan, and you need to make that. But my friends, you've got to pull the trigger. How many times have all of us made all these wonderful plans, but we never pulled the trigger? You wrote it down in your vision book. God told me to do this, and it's still on that piece of paper, and it's still not activated because procrastination took over. Let me give you a couple examples of some good scripture that will help you along. James is really good about this in James chapter 2, verse 17. It says, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by self. But someone might, whoever that might be, but someone might well say, oh, you have faith and I have works. 
And James comes back, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Wow. If you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons also believe and shudder. But if you're willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. My friends, it's time for us to experience the power of the stretch. Can you? Isn't there one of the comic book people, isn't there one called Stretch Man? Elastic Man, thank you. It goes to show you how much I know about that. Elastic Man, where the, you know where he, his 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 strength is being able to stretch out. I, I I wish that there was an Elastic Man in every one of us. The church would go a lot smoother, wouldn't it? So, I mentioned this earlier about hunting some knee down and meeting it. So I want to ask this second question. So how, if I'm going to be a fire chaser, I've got to learn how to light a fire under someone else. See, it's not just about you and I. So how do I start a fire on someone else? How do I get a, a, a flame going underneath someone else? My first suggestion would be this. Start a fire in this church. Start a fire in this church. You understand what I'm saying when I'm saying fire. I'm not talking about trouble. I'm talking about fire. There are so many things that we should be doing that we are not doing because we're waiting on someone else to initiate it. Do something you've never done before. I know that I know that's scary, but that's faith. That's when you know you're stretching out. When God asks you to do something you've never done. Oh, Lord, I've never done that before. That's probably why he picked you out. Have you ever noticed that people have different ways of getting to the same goal? See, it, that's, that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We may have the same purpose and the same goal, but God will give us a different path to get there. That's why we need for you to step out and do it your way so that because probably your way is the right way. It's the better way. And you don't have to wait for the pastor to do this. So how do I get that fire started in others? Do something you've never done before. The second, third thing is be outreach focused. My friends, as a body of believers, as a congregation, we have got to get the focus off of our own little petty issues and get out there and remember that there's a world out there that's lost and needs to hear the gospel, and we need to ask ourselves, how can I reach another person? How can I impact their life? How can we as a church make an impact on our community, our city, our county, and this region? What is it that we're supposed to be? See, God has the keys, but he's given you the master. He's the master key, but he's given all of us keys to make these things happen. I would suggest that if you're not in a life group, get in a life group. If you don't, if you don't have a life group, start a life group. If you see a need, need the need. Don't wait for someone to come up and beg you to do this. If you've got a little bit of a voice, well, I'm not a soloist. We're not asking you to be a soloist. You know what a soloist is? You sing so low that nobody hears you. That's an old musical term. But anyway, understand, 
and we're going to do some, but Miss Deborah and I have been talking about some of these things. We're going to do some unusual things, and we're not asking you to be the most talented, the most skilled, the most trained, and have it going on. We're just asking you to step in and do something. We got some great ideas, and I want to see more ideas come out. So get involved. Think about this. You know, one of the greatest things you can do is be a part of the seven minute ministry. You say, What in the world is that? That's those folks who are out front that are connectors in this church, what they do is they help new people feel comfortable and get them connected into this body because until people get connected with relationships, they'll never come back. So we want to do a much better job, and we need you. You say, well, I don't know how. We have videos. We have training. We've got everything you need to know. Can you pour a cup of coffee? Can you smile without breaking your face? Can you offer someone a handshake or a hug? Can you be nice to someone? Can you actually carry on a conversation? Then you qualify to be a connector in this church. You say, well, I don't know how. We're going to train you how to do that. All right. I've kind of gone off here, but I'm just wanting this to get going. So how do we pull off this thing called the power of the stretch? in ministry, in the church. I want us, I know this is going to be so hard. I want you to think. See, most people, most people when they come to church, they don't think. They don't, they don't think about the church when they leave. And they don't think about it again until it's time to put the clothes on to come to church. And then when they get here, they don't think about anybody else because they're here for one thing, one thing only, me. And we don't think there might be someone else in need. We don't think that there, there may be somebody who needs an encouraging word. They just simply don't think. So we've got to think. Remember Tom Terrific, Captain Kangaroo? Anybody remember that? Anybody in this house? There's one of us, two of us, Captain Kangaroo and, his, and the thinking cap. we got to put our thinking cap on. Oh, there's, see, see, now you're fastening up. There's some old fogies in this room. So what am I saying? Let's be intentional. How can we reach more Latinos? We used to do this, and then we sort of forgot it. We used to do some of our songs partially in Spanish. That's one way of many hundreds of ways to reach more Latinos. We, why would we want them? Because we know that's part of the vision of this church. How do we reach more biracial couples? You ask them to come to a church with biracial couples. There aren't many of those around here. That's part of the vision. How do we reach single moms? You go invite a single mom. If you're a single mom, you probably can encourage and bring another single mom. 20-somethings. Are there anybody in here still 20-something? There are a few. Go get some more 20-somethings. My brain says I'm 20-something, but sometimes my body gets into rebellion. But I learned the power of the stretch. I figure if they can do it, I'm going to try it at least. Anybody with me? Yes. See, these are the things that you and, you and I can incorporate ourselves and make an impact on our community. If you're a student, 
and you're not in the 20-something group, what can you do? You use what you have in your hand. You socialize with your cell phones. Reach out to people on your, through, through that medium. There's so many things. In other words, we need to ask ourselves, how can I make an impact on my sphere of influence? What can I do to present the gospel? What can I do to heal someone, to set them free, to watch them walk in deliverance, to get saved, whatever it might be that God is asking you to do? Think about this. Just, you know, I know this. Listen, Marcus was telling, Marcus Bird was telling me about he was doing some stuff on a website, and it was, it was a brain teaser. And I said, I hope that your brains don't get too hot. They melt and fall out your ears. The gray matter, if you think, your gray matter will not overheat and be destroyed. God gave us brains to think. Just think, what could a good, strong Christian drama do for this community? What could a true gospel musical do for our community? Could some kind of drama production produce souls for the kingdom of God? How can I use my skills? See, people, especially charismatics, they're looking for their anointings. Listen, God gives you, gives you anointings which are much more powerful than your skills, but you can still use your skills. You say, well, I, all I know how to do is change oil in my car. Or won't you start a ministry for single moms where you can bring them up here on the parking lot and you can change your oil and do it for free. And then give them a, a test report and say, now this needs to be fixed and this is about, about what it ought to cost you. And then recommend a good service center where they can get ministered to. You see how simple this is? Just somebody knows how to pull the plug out of an oil pan. And, and, and has a band to take all the oil filter and change the oil. It doesn't, any skill will do. You say, well, all I can do, I'm good at, I'm good at uh, jigsaw puzzles. How can I use that for the kingdom? Why don't you start a jigsaw competition? Put it in the center of the mall. And then when you get four or five people in your jigsaw competition, Give a little prize, and then you preach the gospel. They get saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They come to church, and then they bring their family. You see, it doesn't. Just a little skill. Just anything. Ask the person beside of you, what? Give me one skill you've got. Tell them. Ask them. Give me one skill. Give me just one skill. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you know what? You know what I found? I find, listen, some of y'all have been around here like forever, and you'll still surprise me and say, you know, and you'll tell me you do something. I said, really? You've had that skill all these years, all along, and nobody knows about it? Why haven't you used it? Well, I just didn't think it was important to anyone. Church, this church has so many skills. So many talents. There is so much training in this room. We could fill up a university. 
We've got education. We have all this preparation inside of each one of us. All different, but all necessary and useful for the kingdom. But yet it's going on unused. When are you going to use your skills? When are you going to use, you know, well, I'm waiting for a greater anointing. I'm going to pray some more. No, no, get out there. This is one of my pet peeves. People come to me and say, Pastor, can I paint in the church? Now, that sounds like, sound like a beneficial thing. But I, used, I, I grew, I don't grow, I didn't grow up. I used to be a painter in high school on construction. I know how to paint. And I can tell a good paint job from a bad paint job. And I don't need your paint if you can't cut a, a square or, or do a straight edge without a piece of tape. But, if you're a skilled painter, we could use you here. We could, you, you could be used of God. Think about this. When was the last time? If you're a skilled painter, why don't you go to a Habitat for Humanity and exercise your giftings there? What about, what about an older person who needs their bedroom repainted? And you have that skill. You see, this is how we touch people. It's not necessarily inside here. So we've got all these skills. We've got all these talents. We've got all this training. But we're not using it like God wants us because it's now time to stretch out and use what God has given us. Are you with me, church? We've got to endure the power of the stretch. Now I'm closing. I'm going to land this plane. I'm going to preach less than you portioned, time-wise. See, what we need, we need fire starters who can stand the stretch. We need someone, we need that person who will take the challenge to make a difference, to an impact a life, to restore a marriage, to heal a family, to set our children in the bow of God's hand, to train and raise our children up. See, nothing's going to happen until we endure the stretch. Hey for Jay, little lambs, whatever it might be, it's time for us to stretch out. We had, we had an evangelist here. You, none of you, there may be one or two that remember you. His name was Lowell Mims. Uh, he came to the church when we were in the storefront. By the way, he's still preaching. I've never, I've, had, no, I've never had him back, have I? One time. He's been here. I tried. He has. All right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, every time he comes, he tears up our chairs. He stands them. And he busts them up. Anyway, that's his favorite thing. It's, he has the anointing for breaking chairs. But he said something that picked up that I've always said or kept. He said, if you can stand the stretch, God will pull you through. If you can stand the stretch, God will pull you through. And I'm closing with a scripture that lines up with this. In Matthew 14, 27 through 29, Jesus was, had just preached and like 4,000 people got fed and he told the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake, which was it's a really big lake. And so, but he, he didn't come with them. He sent them on over. Well, they, they ran into a storm. So like between 3, 4, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning, the storm has stopped them and they're stuck in the middle of the lake. This storm's going on. And then Jesus, well, let me read it to you. Jesus comes up to the boat. Now, just think about that. 
<laughs> it's dark, and the wind's blowing, the waves are coming up, and it's about to capsize the boat, and then you see this man walking up. How would you react? Probably like they did. And he said to them, you must be courageous. I am. Stop being afraid. For my friends, this is what keeps us from fulfilling the will of God is that we're afraid that somehow God will let us down or somehow we will fail. In fact, out of all the teachings that Jesus had in the scriptures, one of his most important ones he kept telling us, keeps telling us over and over again, you can't be afraid. You've got to be courageous. So he says, I am. Stop being afraid. Well, here you go. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I'm reading this. Uh, I think it's the same translation. And he said, you, now get this. This is in one new man Bible. He says, you must come now. Do you see what he was telling Peter? He's saying, Peter, yeah, you need faith. Yeah, Peter, it looks dangerous. Yeah, Peter, you need courage. But when Peter finally said, here I am, Lord, use me, the first thing Jesus says, he said, you now, you must come and you got to come right now. In other words, no more hesitation, no more procrastination, no more putting it off, no more waiting for the perfect time for it to happen, no more getting more skills or more training or more of this or more of that or more anointing or more prayer. He said, no, you got to come now. That's faith. And Peter got out of the boat and, and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Now, everybody remembers the rest of the story, right? He started to sink. But I, I don't focus on that because you know what? He still walked on the water. Are there any water walkers in this room today? I said, is there one person who will get out of the boat and walk on the water? All you got to do, Jesus tells us the secret to not sinking. He says, keep my, your eyes on me. Don't watch, watch around you. Don't look at the storm. Don't look at the wind. Don't look at the opposition. He said, keep your eyes on me and you'll be a water walker. Anybody in here want to be a water walker today? It's going to take some courage. We're going to have to step out. But my friends, when we do it, we're going to see God do elaborate things in this community through this church. I preached myself happy. But you got to do what Peter did. Here's Peter. If you've ever seen a boat, I don't know why his boats are really unstable. But they had a deep hole. So he just didn't step off of the boat. He had to climb out of it. So he had to climb out of the boat. And just what Jesus said, or the scripture says, it says he got out of the boat. See, all the little faith people are still in the boat. And if you stay in the boat, you'll be a little faith person. It talks about that in Scripture. But I just, I just want somebody with some great faith that says, you know what? Yeah, just staying in the boat it may be safe and secure, but I want to be a water walker. I want to go where Jesus walked. I want to, I want to do the things I mean, he told us, he said, the things that I do, you'll do, and even greater things than this shall you do, because I go to my Father. 
So my friends, the potential to be a water walker is in every one of us. All we've got to do is stretch out and take the challenge and say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm not going to put it off any longer. I am fed up with me, and I'm stepping out in faith. See, that's what you've got to do. Now, now get, get this. P Peter steps. Oh, he's down in the boat. And the water's down. See, he's got, he's got to step out onto something he knows won't hold him up. Without God, he knows he's going to fail. And so, my friends, the best thing I can say to you today is, if God is asking you to something that looks totally impossible, humanly impossible, there's rationally no way that this could ever happen with you. It's probably him. Because he'll never ask you to step out on something that you can depend on except him. He'll always ask you to step out on something that requires that you've got to have faith and focus on him and him alone. And sure enough, if you don't keep your eyes on him, you're going to sink like a rock. My friends, it's time to be water walkers. Now, some, some of you have tried, and, and you, what you've done in your Christian walk is you've learned how to tread water. Now, this is important if you're going to be a lifesaver, but that's not what he's asking you to do. I'm, when I was, uh, when I was uh, a guard and I had took life-saving classes, I had to tread water for like three hours, I think it was. But God doesn't want you to be a water treader. He wants you to be a water walker. Because I'm telling you, my friends, three hours of trading water, you get nowhere. But when you learn how to step out in God and say, I'm going to trust him, my friends, your, your, your life in him is going to absolutely explode. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. So without a stretch... You're never going to be a fire chaser. And that's our commitment in this church. We're going to be fire chasers. I'm going after the fire. I think about the burning bush when, when, uh, when uh, Moses were there, was there. We see how it got his attention, how this fire kept burning. But it wasn't consumed. God wants us to be the bush, the burning bush. People want to see that what you do is absolutely impossible without God. And then they'll say, I can trust God because I can see it happening through you. I want to be a water walker. I want to be a fire chaser. Anybody with me? It's going to be painful. I said it's going to be painful because when you stretch, there's going to be pain. But you know what I've learned about pain? Our pain goes away when we help someone else with their pain. So you may be broken. You say, well, you know, I just came out of a bad marriage or I lost this or this happened. I, you know, they foreclosed on my house. Or I, or I did this or, you know, I've got a record. Whatever it might be. The best way to get over that pain is help someone else with their pain. And that's the compassion of God for people. My friends, you can't miss with that. 
Now, I'm, I've had everybody stay, stay, stay seated. I did this on purpose. Usually I would have had you standing. But there are people in this room that this has challenged you to the very core of your heart. You are so stirred that you know you've got to pull the trigger now. You've got to step up and step out. You've got all these skills, these gifts, these trainings, these experiences. You've got all this background you have, and you've just been putting it off and putting it off. But you know down, deep down inside, God is asking you to a specific thing to touch your family, your community, your coworkers, the, uh, whatever. You know that God is asking you to do the unusual. You know that God is asking you to do the impossible. You know that you're going to have to get out of the boat if you stayed in it too long. If that's you, and you're ready to step up to the plate and pull the trigger, and I'm not going to ask you what it is, because this is between you and the Lord, and you and the Lord alone. But if God has challenged you today, to step it up and get out of the boat and be a water walker, I want you to get on your feet right now. We're going to pray. If that's you, not, not I want the whole place standing, I'm just talking about those who've been challenged. That God has said, is speaking to you, use me, or whatever has happened in the service, and you know that you have a divine purpose that you need to initiate in your life. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.